Incoming transmission. Messengers, welcome to the Proxcast. We thank you all again for tuning your satellites into our frequency. Last time we discussed the songs of Starset's sophomore album, Vessels. Today it is all about the art. Before we get started, your hosts are. This is Josh. This is Amber. I'm Jamie. I'm Holly. And I'm Bonnie. And I'd like to welcome Holly to the show today. Welcome, Holly. Hello, Hi, Holly. Hey, Holly. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So without further delay, here is part two of our two-part series on vessels, starting with Josh and space and science history. All right, yeah, space and science history. It's um, got a few things here. Uh, on May 18, 1969, the Apollo 10 was launched to be a complete staging of the Apollo 11 mission without actually landing on the moon. The mission was the second to orbit the moon and the first to travel to the moon with the entire Apollo spacecraft configuration. It made a successful eight-day dress rehearsal for the first man-moon landing. Astronauts Thomas Stafford and Eugene Cernan descended inside the lunar module to within 14 kilometers of the lunar surface and was achieving the closest approach to the moon before Apollo 11 landed two months later. Apollo 10 splashed down at 12.52 p.m. on May 26, less than four miles from its target point and the recovery ship. On May 19, 1910, Earth passed through the tail of Halley's Comet, the most intimate contact between the Earth and any comet in recorded history. The event was anticipated with dire predictions. Since a few years earlier, astronomers had found the poisonous gas cyanogen in a comet, it was surmised that if Earth passed through the comet's tail, everyone would die. Astronomers explained that the gas molecules within the tail were so tenuous that absolutely no ill effects would be noticed. Nevertheless, ignorance bred opportunists selling comet pills to the panicked portions of the public to counter the effect of the cyanogen gas. On May 20th, after Earth had passed through the tail, everyone was still alive with or without taking any pills. On May 20, 1990, the Hubble Space Telescope sent its first photograph from space, an image of a double star 1,260 light-years away. Also on May 20, in 1927, at 7.40 a.m., Charles Lindbergh took off from Roosevelt Field in Long Island, New York, aboard the Spirit of St. Louis monoplane on his first solo flight across the Atlantic. He arrived in France 33 and one-half hours later. And that about wraps it up for this week's Space and Science History. Make sure to go to todayinsci.com for your daily facts. That's going to bring me to my next topic. Alright, I've been asked several times, Josh, do vinyl records really sound better than CDs or digital? And I'm always tell whoever, yeah, there is a feel to vinyl that CDs and digitals just cannot capture. Listen to one of your favorite albums on a decent record player and sound system, 
and you can definitely tell the difference. Well, I found an article that breaks it down. I'm not going to read all of it, so if you feel like checking it out, the website is electronics.howstuffworks.com slash question487.htm. So, is the sound of vinyl better than that of CDs or digital? Well, the answer lies in the difference between analog and digital recordings. A vinyl record is an analog recording, and CDs are digital recordings. Original sound is analog by definition. A digital recording takes snapshots of the analog signal at a certain rate and measures each snapshot with a certain accuracy. For CDs, it's 44,100 times per second and it is 16-bit, which means the value must be one of 65,536 possible values. This means that, by definition, a digital recording is not capturing the complete sound wave. It's just approximating it with a series of steps. Some sounds that have very quick transitions, such as a drum beat or a trumpet tone, will be distorted as they change too quickly for the sample rate. In your home stereo, the CD player takes the digital recording and converts it to an analog signal, which is fed to your amplifier. The amplifier then raises the voltage of the signal to a level powerful enough to drive your speaker. A vinyl record has a groove carved in it that mirrors the original sound's waveform. This means that no information is lost. The output of a record player is analog. It can be fed directly into your amplifier with no conversion. This means that the waveforms from a vinyl record can be much more accurate, and that can be heard in the richness of the sound. But there is a downside. Any specks of dust or damage to the disc can be heard as noise or static. During quiet spots in songs, the, this noise may be heard over the music. Digital recordings don't degrade over time, and if the digital recording contains silence, then there will be no noise. So that's one of the pros of digital. So, and I kind of put down a few pros and cons of each format. So, um, the pros of some CDs, you know, or some of the pros of CDs, you know, it holds twice the space of a vinyl record. It's very portable and can be played over and over again without losing its quality. Um, but also the cons, you know, it's susceptible to scratches, doesn't capture the same fidelity of vinyl. And actually, some produce a hiss that, I don't know if you've ever done this, if you've ever, like, been listening to your music really loud, and then, you know, at the end of the song, you'll hear, like, a, a slight hiss in the music. You know what I'm talking about? Not yeah, really. Anybody? Mm-hmm, yeah, I understand you. Much more. Okay, well, anyways, the reason it does that is because it's carried over from the analog transfer, you know, from the tapes. Anyways, the pros of digital files, um, they only need what space you need on your hard drive. There's no huge collection on yourself. Quality is around the same if you find that you would find on a CD. FLAC and WAV files would be the way to go with these to capture the full effect of the album. But the cons of digital files, you know, sometimes there's a noticeable clicking or chirping. They're easily corruptible by viruses and other malware. And then we get to vinyl, the pros of it, you know, it's got some awesome kick-ass artwork. Um, and when they're taken care of, you know, they can last for probably centuries. Um, there is a reason we put one on the side of Voyager 2, you know. Uh, the depth and warmth of the music and sounds, you know. And then also the cons, you know, they're easily scratchable. Without proper equipment, could sound worse, you know. And it, if not taken care of, they can wear down over time. So it takes up a lot of space and becomes addicting. I know this. Too many vinyl, not enough money. So, <laughs> if you really want the pure audio, um, if you're not wanting to get in, into any digital 
just to stick with analog, I would definitely stay with vinyl. Well, it's really the only way. But, you know, we live in a digital age. So if you go digital, stick with the FLAC or the WAV files. So, now that I'm done with all of that, we're going to get to the artwork of vessels. So, before I get started, I do want to mention that everything we talk about, as far as the artwork, it can be seen on Discogs.com. Just search Star Set, click on Vessels, and you should see the available formats. Click on the cover image, and you'll get to see, like, all the insides. So, anyways, Jamie has something she wants to tell us about. Go ahead, Jamie. Well... When we first decided we were going to go over the art as well as the music for Vessels, I had a few questions about the art. I wanted to confirm my theories about the medium and technique used to produce the original art pieces. So I looked up the artist, Matt Tisdale, and sent him a message. We exchanged a few informative emails, and here is the response I received. Quote, the paintings were originally created in oils. The technique is a la prima, wet on wet. Then the paintings were photographed and brought into Photoshop. I added transparent layers of color in Photoshop for the final artwork. The series of paintings is titled Vessels. I work closely with Dustin to create a surreal science fiction concept that hints back to parts of the novel. The defining characteristics within the paintings are just as important as the viewer's interpretation of the paintings. They advocate that descriptive expressions are vital, but that the sense of their arrangement must be open to full range of imagination. Surrealism as a visual movement had found a method to expose psychological truth by stripping ordinary objects of their normal significance in order to create a compelling image that was beyond ordinary formal organization, unquote. All of his art is amazing, and you really need to go to www.matttisdale.com and check out some of his other artworks. And with that, we're going to move on to the cover art for Vessels, and we're going to start with Amber. All right. Now, we have discussed uh, before um, the Vessels cover art, but going back and uh, talking about it a little bit seemed to be a good thing to do since it's been a while. Yep. So the cover art for Vessels, as I've said before, always brings back images from when I'd first read A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, in this novel was described a concept called the Tesseract, which allowed the protagonist to hop around in space and bend both space and time in a sense. Now, a real Tesseract, which is a four-dimensional analog of a cube, cube, trigger word. The cube. The cube. Uh, was described in the book as being a way to bend space-time so that one could travel instantaneously between planets and even different dimensions. The shape on the front of the album, a tetrahedron, is part of the Tesseract. It is its vertex figure that forms a convex hull of the Tesseract's vertex-centered central projection. As I'm not really versed on the subject of a Tesseract, I will only say that the image on the cover reminded me of the Tesseract in the novel because the piece also seemed to be the visual representation of the idea of bending the very time and fabric of space. Also, warping would show that it is a solid mirror-like object instead of just a concept. Um, it can be reflective, which speaks to the reflective nature of the songs on the album, such as Monster, Into the Unknown, and Unbecoming, off the top of my head. Uh, we're reflecting on one's own nature, and inner turmoil seems to be the theme. It's it's the very, uh, you know, heart of this album, it feels like. It's all about internal reflection. So, uh, Bonnie, what did you think about the cover art? 
Okay, so by now we're all quite familiar with all the vessels art, and we've become accustomed to seeing it on various forms of propaganda for the band. However, when I first saw it, I had to say I was quite intrigued because it was definitely a step away from the transmissions cover. I believe that this image gives the viewer a very distinct warped reality when looking at it. The horizon is perfectly straight, with the ocean and sky being parallel to it. However, the shape in the center, which is where the eye naturally falls as a focal point, takes our view of reality and bends and twists it, turning into an unnatural state. The clouds and water, which are distorted, angling off in sharp degrees, whereas the tip of the image is actually submerged in the water in waves, proving that it is not just an optical illusion, but it's actually something physical there instead. Above all this, of course, is the vast greatness of space with what seems to be a large amount of concentrated starlight trickling down or feeding into the object below it. These stars, however, are not distorted or manipulated in any way. All that being said, what I get from this image is that the energy from the stars and from space itself is being drawn and then changed and transformed into something else, which in my opinion is what this album is about. It's about transformation and changing into something else. And how about you, Jamie? What I really like about the Vessel's cover art is that it contains three elements that I'm very partial to. Water, weather, and space. I also enjoy the way the color scheme is mostly cool colors, blues and greens. And then just that little bit of space at the top has a touch of warmth because it's kind of a pink and purple. Which is really odd because space is supposed to be very cold. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very cool. So uh, Josh, your turn. All right. So, yeah, like Bonnie said, we all know what the cover looks like by now. So I'm really not going to go into describing describing it. Rather, just give my thoughts on it. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, it is cool to see, like, the prism coming out of the sky in the uh, Ricochet 360 video. I don't know if any of y'all have bought a cool little headset and slide your smartphone in there and watch the Ricochet video in an actual headset. But it's really cool because, you know, the whole prism comes down and everything. It's pretty neat. Anyways... But I do like how the space and the stars are kind of either coming out or going into the top of the prism. Um, I could take it as several interpretations. Some would say it's an actual craft of some sort, which I could see, uh, like especially with what we saw in the monster video. Or it could be some form of portal, which is kind of honestly what I see it as, but it works both ways. Um, It's a very cool album cover. Holly, what do you think about the Vessels cover? Um, I, I... Honestly, I'm looking at like a more detailed photo of it right now as I'm talking to you guys and listening to your interpretations and you notice so much more of it looking at that and hearing what you guys are saying about it. I noticed with the vinyl cover that the actual vessel on the front of the cover is slightly raised. It's mm-hmm. it's yeah. a little 3D which brings your attention to it and is supposed to be uh like I think Bonnie said the focal point of the album cover. Um, but then the, the contrast with the space at the top of it and then the storms and, and the, you know, the stormy ocean, I think is, is very telling as to the theme of the album. It's not, it's not cut and dry. It's not, you know, here's the happy ending. It's definitely, there's turmoil, there's storm in there. And with the vessel, I actually am just now noticing that it's not just a 2D kind of image of that vessel on the front of the prism with that space at the top of it it does have that more 3d element to it which i think josh what you said was great that it could be taken as 
you know, a portal of some sort or something drawing it in as opposed to just something that's landing in the middle of the ocean. Right, right. So I think it's it's very open to more interpretation than what I think the transmissions cover was. It's a lot more abstract and there's a lot more that can be taken from it. So mm-hmm. that's those are my thoughts. I love it. I think it's a great album cover. All right. And that will bring us into the the uh, actual insides of the artwork and the album cover Uh, they do have these definitions throughout and i'll go ahead and start out with the first one vessel it is a noun it is a structure or craft used for the purposes of floating or traveling on water such as a ship or a large boat and uh, a few of the different few of the things i'm going to go ahead and cover um the inner panel and the gatefold i do like the color scheme for the inner insides it's got the album credits on the left side on the right, we have a prism on the front that's on the front cover, except, you know, it's in the clouds rather than on the water. And this prism has a planet inside the top, like how space was coming out of the prism on the front. This one's got a cool little planet on the inside. I don't know if it's Earth. I don't know if it's the moon. I don't know if it's Prox. Questions that we'll find out in the future, perhaps. Um, the, uh, the booklet, um, the front and the back are very simple. On the front, it just says approved for release. And on the back, it says... Star Set Society logos. It's very straight to the point. Um, the little logos are in the bottom corners of each side. Nothing really to say say about this except it has been approved for release by the Star Set Society. So um, now the de- now this definition is on page one of the booklet, and it's on and it's on the upper inside of the gatefold of the vinyl. So it's like they did like. There are certain aspects of the vinyl that's, or the CD that's left out of the vinyl. Uh, like, it, the vinyl doesn't contain the letter from Dr. Wise. I don't know why. So, but as far as the CD and digital booklet, the background looks like fog or like hazy clouds, and it contains the letter from Dr. Wise we read last week. To me, I don't know how, how y'all would see it. To me, it looks like it's like, you know, a ship or a large boat floating through hazy clouds like let's say into the unknown you know like the old vikings you know i could see them all like standing on the front of their ship floating through the fog and then next thing you know oh shit was there something they don't know where they're going into you know what i mean it's more like a feeling of into the unknown and it fits seems like it fits perfect on that first page because it's like just smoke or fog you can't see through it so it's like okay now you have to get you know a little bit farther into it, you know. The CD and vinyl labels. The CD design looks more like a moon or prox. Um, has some kind of purplish tint. The same design is on side A of the vessel's vinyl. The label of B on side B of the vinyl is like the cool little star set S, except it's got a cool little purple background and the it's got grids on the S. It's a very cool variation of the uh, of the star set S. Side C, it's got the uh, the prism from the uh, inner gatefold with the planet inside, except, you know, it's got the purplish tone of the CD. And uh, Side C is the cool little Star Society Atom logo. Uh, you know, it's purple and gridded as well. And if you haven't seen the blue and black uh, swirl splatter vinyl, looks freaking phenomenal. It's like a work of art. You know, I'll just sit there and stare at it, you know, when I'm holding it up. I'm like, oh, it's so pretty. It's it's just beautiful, man. Sounds amazing too. 
And that brings us to definition two. Bonnie, do you want to go ahead and tell us about that? Certainly. Definition two is an airship or a spacecraft. Amber, would you like to start us off with this? I will. Um, So with this particular art piece, um, at first, the fact that there were several spaceships kind of reminded me of a squadron. But upon further inflection, it kind of reminded me more of a single vessel imprinted over and over again as though kind of depicting several specific brief moments in time all at once. Um, The lack of exhaust in the previous iterations of the ship uh, kind of gave me the sensation of drifting, that maybe the ship was at first meandering, but then found its course and ignited its thrusters, charging ahead to its intended purpose. And that was about what I got out of it. With purpose. With purpose. So, Bonnie, what did you think about um, art number two? Okay, for me, this artwork is the most common literal definition of the airship or spacecraft. The focal point of the image would either be the large ship in the foreground or the planet far far below. On the one side, we have our peaceful blue planet swirling with puffy white clouds and deep blue oceans. It could be considered Earth, but that's not certain. Blue is often the color of trust and peace. It can suggest loyalty and integrity, and it has a very calming effect. Above the planet is what looks like a nebula or cluster of stars and what appears to be a moon. The stars are bathed in the hues of purple, white, and pink. Purple is the color of imagination, pink, love, and nurturing, white, purity, wholeness, and completion. These colors together bring about a familiar peacefulness to the viewer. However, underneath it all is varying hues and shades of gray, painted meticulously on the edges of the other colors, creeping in slowly, bringing with it an eerie, sinister feeling. Gray is the color of compromise. It's neither black nor white. It is a transition between two non-colors. It is unemotional and detached and can be indecisive, which is why it blends so well into the inky blackness of space that leads us into the image on the mirror page of the spacecrafts. Now, these are almost two separate images. These pieces could be taken apart and each serve as a standalone art piece. In contrast to our peaceful planet, the spacecraft here have a very harsh, imposing feeling to them. They're surrounded by an ominous, eerie glow behind them, which would feel as though they've just come out of intergalactic travel to orbit around our planet, their intentions hidden by the cold darkness of space. The area around the ships has a green tint to it, and green can either typically mean self-reliance as a positive or possessiveness and selfishness as a negative, among any other, many other meanings. As a whole, this image is a pi- quite a polar opposite to itself. One side has a serenity and innocence of a world that we call home, something we've come to know and take as a given for so many years. And in opposition, we have the spacecraft looming just out of sight, high above us, bringing a threatening presence that will bring about our downfall, whether it be from an outside source or perhaps even from the inside. The threat is always there, lurking just where we can't see it, the harbinger of something terrible. So, Jamie, what's your take on this piece? Um, I also thought this piece is pretty straightforward with its spaceship, planet, and satellites. A beautiful, typical sci-fi space setting. Um, What sets this piece apart from the rest for me is the fact that it is the only one with a bit of vivid warm color in it in the group of four. Uh, The nebula on the left side has beautiful shades of pink and purple in it, like you said, Bonnie. Uh, For the most part, besides the next piece we will be discussing, they are all very dark and leans towards being almost monochromatic with exceptions of a little touch of blue and green here and there. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, Josh, your take. Alright, um, this panel is, uh, it's very cool looking to me. It, to me, it's totally got like a back to the earth, into the unknown feel. And, but, you know, you're looking at, I, 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 my interpretation is the vessel is returning to Earth. And the reason I think so is because, the reason I think it's Earth, because, you know, it's got a few satellites painted around it, which is also seems like a, a throw to satellite to me, you know. Um, but uh, the anomaly in the upper left corner, you know, all that mass of purplish prettiness and everything... I honestly think it's like a wormhole or a portal or something, you know, because I, I don't know. I could see like if it wasn't cut off, you could easily see like what would be probably like a trail leading from that wormhole over to the cloud and the upper. You know, I'm looking at it right now and I can easily see like an arch from like the path of the spaceship. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can totally see right. that too. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I really dig this one. It's uh, it's one of my favorite uh, of the art prints we received with the vessels bundle. Woohoo! Um, so, but uh, yeah, that's my that's what I think about it. Holly, what about you? What do you think about it? Well, my interpretation isn't nearly as detailed or well thought out like uh, Bonnie's is. I was super impressed by that, Bonnie. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but but yeah, the the main spacecraft that's in the forefront of it, I I agree with Josh. I think is something returning to Earth, um, you know, a la back to the Earth or maybe even into the unknown. Had this craft been away from Earth for any length of time, and I'm just I'm torn between the other uh, deals in the background. If those are in fact like satellites, just kind of space junk hovering around earth, or if those are other spacecrafts or airships that maybe either have been, you know, abandoned or that are trying to follow this main spacecraft, you know, those, those are kind of open to more interpretation. I think for me and the, the nebula, the pink and purple in the top left corner, uh, can definitely be something that that spacecraft just came from, which is why there's so much of the smoke and and whatnot behind the aircraft is trying to make that escape from that. Whether it's something gravitational that's pulling, trying to pull that craft in, it might you know makes me think of gravity of you and the craft trying to get out of that and escape that and return to Earth. Um, so I can definitely see the the overarching like escape and return out of that and trying to return to earth and return home essentially um yeah i really like this one as well okay and bonnie if you want to read the third definition okay our third definition for a vessel would be a hollow or concave shaped receptacle used to contain objects or other matter amber would you like to tell us your feelings on this piece uh yes i will definitely do that uh, this piece I found very interesting, actually. At first, this was the one I had the most trouble with at first, to be honest. Um, but after I looked at it for a little while, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to get, I hope nobody's squeamish. I'm going to talk about, talk about some anatomy. Um, but, uh, this piece actually reminded me of mechanical eggs. Okay. Um, there were two in the sky that were descending, and then there was one that was implanted firmly in the lining of the new planet. 
Okay, so symbolically, this reminded me of a fertilized human egg implanting in the uterine wall. Okay, uh, as such, this new life being brought, uh, inhabited th that inhabited this vessel, uh, is seemingly rooting itself and beginning to grow in its new host environment. Uh, the man that's in the, the uh, art piece is calmly looking uh, at what's going on, and that kind of denotes to me that he's been waiting for this. It's not something that's scary or something that's unplanned. It's something that uh, maybe he's been waiting for for even a long time. And so he's basically standing there waiting to watch the future unfold before him. And um, that was the, the simple version of what I've got from this. So, Bonnie, what was your interpretation of this third art piece? Well, I'm about to go, like, all gamer girl on you here for a moment, so bear with me. <laughs> um, when, I, when I saw this image, I immediately thought of the monitors from the Halo games. Now, monitors are highly advanced artificial intelligent constructs created by the forerunners over 100,000 years ago to occupy special positions in their society. One of the main purposes of a monitor was to be a caretaker of the Halo Array as other installations. And they make sure that the Virulent Flood, which is the bad guys, their parasitic entities, remained imprisoned on the Halo Arrays. They're extremely intelligent, yet they are completely devoted to their original function and are very zealous about containing these parasites. Monitors have been known to turn violently on their allies if they should attempt to violate the containment protocols. Now, this is what brings me into this, which connects the two, the Halo game and this image. The body of a monitor consists of roughly a spherical shape, concave on three sides, with an illuminated photoreceptor, or eye, located on the front of the orb. In essence, this is a parallel description of the text that's on the page. A hollow or concave shape receptacle used to contain objects or other matter. In this case, it would be artificial intelligence. Now, monitors are extremely intelligent, but also very devoted to their original functions and to protocol, resulting in a very zealous attitude towards containment of the flood and an over-eagerness to activate the halos. Halos are massive weapons with the ability to destroy entire galaxies. Monitors frequently cite protocols as their explanations for actions, no matter how impractical. So if you're doing something against the monitors and he sees it as counterproductive, it will not hesitate to annihilate you finding a logical explanation for your death. Monitors keep daily logs of all things that concur in their installation. Monitors have been speculated to be in stages of rampancy, which is a condition that affects all AIs in the Halo universe and is comparable to human insanity. It's due to their isolation for literally 100,000 years. In the artwork of the notes here, the desolate landscape fits perfectly into the halo and monitor, monitor lore. The color scheme brings up feelings of isolation, desolation, and loneliness. This is especially apparent in the one solitary silhouetted figure standing in the background. The monitors have been known to take drastic steps to protect their charge, wiping out all forms of life in an effort to save and preserve it if they have been programmed to do so. Perhaps the person in the photo is all that remains from a planetary sanitation and has now come to realize that everything he or she is gone, has known is gone now, replaced with a stark, bleak landscape where nothing can exist. He wanders, lost and alone, hoping to find one tiny spark of life that he had known in the past. However, the monitors are lurking nearby, waiting to finish their task. 
So that's my happy interpretation. Jamie, what's yours? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bonnie. That got real deep it, it real quick. Dark. That's very happy. Wow, that's it. Bonnie, you win. <laughs> you killed it on that. I like my yeah. Jamie. <laughs> okay. This piece reminds me of the song Gravity of You. The setting seems to be a desolate and hopeless place, and the figure seems drawn to the machines as they arrive. This piece... Piece also reminds me of the movie Interstellar and the planet that was covered with snow and ice. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yes! Not my, no. Not my favorite. No. <laughs> so, uh, Josh, what did this panel remind you of? Uh, yeah. Okay, this panel to me is pretty strange. You know, it's got the man standing there in front of the three spherical vessels. One of them has an open door or gateway. And seems to be inviting him in. I, me personally, I get kind of a weird feeling when I look at it. I'm not really sure. Kind of uneasy. And see, the the definition says or other matter. So you know, it used to contain objects or other matter. You know, um, so for some reason, I'll, it just makes me think of the fly. You know, not to say it's some kind of teleportation device, more like just some transport of some kind. Just the way it just seems more like a pod. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if they're alien or just from the future. You know, the planet, to me, it looks more like kind of maybe some Arctic, Arctic station. At least that's kind of what I see to the left. Maybe maybe some kind of in the dunes over there on the left. I see what looks like maybe a little station. I don't know. Um, so it could possibly be Earth. So, but yeah, that's really all I, I got on. It's kind of, kind of a, a strange piece of artwork. So, Holly, what about you? What do you think about the, uh, this panel? Uh, this one, it, it's, it's very interesting. It's very intriguing. Like all of you, it's, it's one of the more interesting, harder to decipher panels of the artwork. And, Honestly, when I look at this, what I see is the first uh, vessel that's kind of on the ground and looks like it's kind of fallen apart. I actually, I see that as the guy standing there next to it has just emerged from that. Like, I know, I know the definition says contain objects or other matter. Um, granted, he does have like a human-like form, but who's to say that that really is his true form? So he could have just emerged from this, and then the the main vessel that's kind of in the forefront of it, uh, you see the front of it is kind of opening up, like something is about to emerge from it, and you see light coming out of it um, that's reflecting onto the ground. So that could be the next um, being or object that's coming into land. And the third one, kind of off, further off in the background, you notice the front of it is not completely opened up just yet. He hasn't made like right, that right. final descent. Um, so they're still waiting for to land on that one. And it's also interesting, the, the kind of wispy smoke kind of effect that's coming up out of those vessels. Um, but yet the, the one highest up in the air in the background doesn't have that. So... I don't know if it's maybe just something that that vessel is releasing as it lands or if it maybe means something a little bit um, maybe more sinister or or something completely different. But I don't know. I, I see that as I can kind of relate this to Gravity of You as well, especially the, the part uh, 
of Interstellar, Jamie, that you brought up. Um, that that song and that movie, I relate so much together to, and I can definitely mm-hmm. see that in this as it's covered in snow and covered in ice. Um, mm-hmm. And then what looks like a sun, but is also kind of very faded out. So it could it could be a sun, it could be another planet, you know, maybe Prox or or what have you that's out in the distance as well. Um, so that that's my best interpretation of it. Um, so that will bring us into the next definition, uh, Bonnie. That okay. is Bonnie, right? I'm sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> I can't remember who's doing what. <laughs> okay, so now we're on number four, which is anatomy, a duct or tube for containing or otherwise transporting bodily fluids. Amber, would you like to give us your interpretation of this piece? I will do that momentarily. Hang on. <laughs> Bless, Bless you. you. Thank you. Is it tight? Inconvenient sneezes. Inconvenient. <laughs> Another one for the gag reel. Oh my god. All right. Uh, yeah. No, I'm leaving that one in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Josh. You're a pal. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, with this fourth art piece, um, the wispy cluster in the far right corner of this piece brings to mind an actual nebula, which is where gas, dust, and other materials clump together to form denser regions which attract further matter, eventually becoming stars, planets, and other planetary system objects. All right, in this scenario, the nebulous dust forms and twists into new beings with a very Grecian form and style. Um, I feel as though this piece is a very visual representation of the idea that Greeks were credited with much of the innovation and new invention of our earlier times. Uh, also, the great and insightful philosophers and astronomers that have helped bring critical thinking and knowledge and insight from which we've drawn uh, that have uh, that has allowed us to make scientific and societal advancements that we have today. Um, the lyrics, stardust in you and in me, fuse us into unity. Primeval, we're coupled, born from the universe, also come to mind when reflecting on this piece. Uh, and also in a bit of juxtaposition, the picture on the left signifies to me maybe a mechanical exporting one's own personal information directly from their own consciousness. Um, because the right side of the image takes us from our creation in the cosmos to becoming a living conscious being, to somehow having that consciousness stripped away and becoming, or er, stripped away and implanted into another realm or into a machine. Uh, it seems to signal to me an unnatural slip from the cosmic creation of man into forcing him out into an artificial creation, caging the wild nature of the beast within. So, Bonnie, what would your interpretation of this piece be? Very interesting. Okay, I apologize. I'm going to go very dark again on you. So, um, <laughs> that's just the way I am, I guess. Uh, these two pages dark of art... on me. Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, these two pages of artwork, I believe, tell a story. And it's similar to Dante's Inferno, which is the story of one man and his guide through a journey through hell. Our Dante, in this case, would be the figure laying on the table. He's completely removed of identity. The person is an androgynous shape, hooked up and attached to a multitude of cables and wires via the brain, and is deprived of any outside senses or stimulus. The text below our figure describes the vessel as a duct or tube for containing or otherwise transporting body fluids. Being blinded, deafened, and sprawled out on a slab, this is perhaps the definition of society as it is today. 
being tuned out of the real world and forced into perceiving things that are force-fed into our brains via various social media and other nefarious electronic devices. As the figure is attached to these vessels, instead of descending into hell, they are in fact ascending, hence the multiple layers beneath the body. Dante travels through several layers of hell in an effort to reach heaven, and the images on the right side of the panel are reflective of that. The background art, if you look at both panels simultaneously, does resemble a human eye, which I believe is opening and being forced to see things in a new light. As for the figures on the other panel, as you can see, the lustful sinners are represented, swirling about in a terrible storm. There are the indecisive, which are the souls who could not make their decision in life to be good or evil, reaching out for something that isn't there, which are represented by each of them reaching their arms out, only grasping at nothing. Also represented are the souls of those who have turned violent onto themselves, illustrated by the hunched-over figures unable to gaze upon nothing else but their own sadness and depression, locking their mind and body away completely immobile to anything. The most imposing figure in the image is the large male figure. That, I believe, would be of Lucifer, who is blocking Dante, or our hero, from reaching heaven. He looms over everything else, large and imposing, serving as the final gateway between reaching complete ascension. Whether or not a figure has chosen to lock away reality and enter this on this journey voluntarily is not known. There are no straps or other restraining devices holding this body down, nor is there any signs of a struggle. So one must wonder if this is a nod to how people of the world today are slowly becoming accustomed to experiencing manufactured virtual realities, choosing to turn their back on their own human emotions and feelings, and instead handing their souls over to a manipulated world. Perception is created with a few keystrokes pumped in via tubes and cables, leading us to believe that we are indeed ascending into heaven, when in fact we're actually being dragged down to hell. Okay, Jamie, I'd like to hear your impressions on this piece. Wow, you guys are tough acts to follow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah. right. I, I never saw the eye. <laughs> and I totally see it now. So, sorry, go ahead, Jamie. All right, well, I'll start with, to me, this piece resembles an eye with the pupil dilated. Thanks, Mark. So, <laughs> um, the figures on the right are in the pupil, and they're all bleeding into one another like they could be par parts of a whole, perhaps the creature from bringing it down, or maybe the monsters from unbecoming. The left side of the image, however, is a clear reference to Dana from the Prox Transmission novel. This piece also was the first to grab my attention when I initially flipped through the CD booklet. So, Josh, how about you? Um, yeah, see, this one is pretty mind-blowing to me. Like I said, I'm, I never saw the eye, and now that y'all have pointed it out to me, I'll never unsee it, you know what I mean? Um, it's and it really reminds me of the Matrix. Uh, you know, on the left you have the person on the table with the vessels on the helmet on the, uh, you know, leading into wherever they're going, you know, and then on the right, you know, we see what would look like heavenly beings or other worlds so to me and now that i see the eye it totally makes even more sense because the person laying on the bed is seeing all this other shit other people worlds whatever and now brings me to the monster video 
course, we all seen, you know, the people walking around with the visors and everything being shown other worlds and everything while being zombified, laid out on possibly on the table or wherever, sitting on the street like they are in the video, whatever. So, um, so I think the vessels are possibly implanting memories and visions. For what reason, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I love the colors in this one as well, especially like the blues and whites and how it fades into the green up in the top. Um, very cool piece of artwork. So, probably one of my favorite of the four art prints. So, Holly, go ahead with uh, with what you think about this well, awesome piece of work. You guys took all the good answers. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, as I'm listening to you guys talk about it, I'm seeing different elements of that. I'm like, oh, you know, that reminds me of, of Dana from the Prox Transmissions, and she's having her memories wiped and re-implanted. And then... I also see the monster video with the the figure on the left. It almost looks like he or she has one of those visor type things over their eyes. Um, and then I can also see like the, the Grecian aspects of the right side of this with the, the large kind of and best word for it is this dark being over here, which honestly looking at it reminds me of, of Zeus almost who is, you know, it reminds me of like those old Catholic churches, you know, like, uh, where they made it call them badass, you know, just stone murals on the walls and stuff like that. Right. That's what it reminds yeah, like me all of those Renaissance statues. And paintings. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Up. Very much like that. So I, I definitely got that feel for it. And like the, this this giant overpowering being holding everything and everybody else back and those beings being held back could be the very thoughts the very like inner demons of this being that's on the left side um whether you know that being is somebody that this person actually knows or if it's just their own inner kind of turmoil um you know that part we don't know but definitely i i feel like what we see on the right side is what's going on or could be being extracted from the person on the left side. And Josh, like you, I love the the blues and the, the greens kind of mixed in right in the middle. It kind of gives it a little little contrast yeah, to the darkness yeah, of the rest of it. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely, I think this one is my favorite one out of the, the different um, panels that we have uh, so that, I think, will bring us to the last one, Definition 5, Bonnie. Okay, our final definition for vessels is a, a person regarded as a receiver of something, often immaterial, such as a vessels of wrath or vessels of mercy. Amber, would you like to lead us off here on this piece? Now, with this piece, I had a phrase that actually came to me to start with, and and. You know, this was actually another one of the ones that was kind of hard for me to really come up with something because it just seemed so straightforward. Um, but the, the phrase that finally came to me was ships awaiting the true vessel. Um, that popped into my head when I was looking at it. And where the ship to me appears to be landing, I imagine that the human vessel is somehow telepathically in control of its movements. Um, the three glowing bars on its forehead... Uh, and the fanned-out glow of the levitating ship's lights indicate a connection is taking place. Uh, the figure seems distant, even detached, and even though he is landing the ship, his mind looks to be elsewhere. Perhaps he's ruminating on the future or the past, or maybe even both. And um, that's about what I got. Bonnie, what did you think about this one? 
Okay, so this one has a happy ending, I assure you. <laughs> As opposed to my other ones. Um, <laughs> okay, I love the color black used in this image. It produces a nice closure and serves as a bookend to the beginning of the notes, which also has a lot of black in it as well, which is visually appealing. The figure, I believe, is representative of our hero, or more so ourselves, who has traveled very far emotionally, spiritually, and physically to attain the rank of vessel and become something more than human. We've been warned of imminent danger via the first image with the spacecraft and planet. We've seen its destruction and the loneliness and isolation that it'll cause with the image of the artificial intelligence and devastation. We chose to turn away from feeling anything real and fill our mind up with false perception and manufactured memories via the body on the table and the multitude of symbolic human figures to finally have the power to let it all go and be filled up with something greater. A vessel is a container. It is something different from a utensil or an instrument. A vessel is not to be used to do something but to contain something a radio has a receiver within it so it can receive contain and express radio waves from the air the outward box of the radio is not good enough it needs an inner recipient an inner receiver within us there is also a receiver and what we choose to receive is part of who we are the hooded man is branded with a three-bar symbol which obviously is a new logo but also in category theory, the triple bars have been used to connect objects, indicating that they are actually identical. The position of the three bars in relation to the beam coming off the ship on the opposite page is not random. I believe that he is now the vessel receiving messages and information from the ship, which in itself can be a symbol of something else, not necessarily a spacecraft or alien or foreign source, but instead it could be interpreted as the viewer sees fit. You could even take it in a religious direction if you choose. The lack of anything else in the image, save for the ships and the cloaked figure, I think, represents the old adage that the things that we think in life are very important and matter. In the end of our life, they don't matter at all. At the end of our life, when we look back and we can finally see what, it's, what we chose to receive and take into our souls is what truly made us who we are. The figure is now open and receptive to the message, casting away the chains that have once held him to the person he once was. He is self-aware and filled with the knowledge of his own journey through life and is prepared to take the next step into the unknown and continue to fill up his vessel with as much knowledge and purpose that he can. The ships are there to serve as both the sender and the receiver, sending him knowledge and waiting to receive him as he attains a higher state of consciousness. So all these images in this booklet are linked together, in my opinion. And in doing some research, I stumbled across a quote which seems strikingly fitting for the term of the use of vessels in the album. It reads as follows. If you're an open channel when you're on stage, you're just a vessel. And things are going to come out of you that are stored deep away in your DNA. And anyone who's been to a demonstration will undoubtedly attest to the fact that Starset does a phenomenal job on stage. And in fact, we are all the vessels waiting to receive and spread the message. And Jamie, what's your opinion on it? Jesus. <laughs> Damn. Damn, girl. High fives all around. You just like totally blew my mind with You're all hired. that, man. <laughs> the, the three bars being a connecting piece to everything else. This is like, that's like, because once when you said that, it made me flashback to the vip mm -hmm, when yep. they stamped all of our heads yep yep <gasps> oh my we gosh are all i totally one forgot the about same. that yep see oh i didn't forget we are all the vessels cool. now 
Oh man! Yep. Say... So three bars yeah. means exactly the same as. Yep. Wow. That's, well, that's exactly badass. Weird. Mind blown. Okay. All right. Now we can move on. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's mind has been blown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. To me, the um, I kind of got the feeling that the ships on the right could possibly be the brainchild of the member of the order that's on the left. Or, like Amber said, there c- it could be a telepathic connection between the hooded figure and the ships. And in that case, it reminds me of the book The Rowan by Anne McCaffrey. Um, in that book, humans are born. some humans are born with te- telepathic abilities. And they're put in jobs that use these abilities. And some of the um, ones that are prime or the highest level... Um, land and launch ships and move cargo and stuff around. So, I thought that was kind of an interesting little... I could see him doing that. So, uh, Josh, what did you think? Uh, I know I said the last one was my favorite, but this one's also one of my favorites. It's just really a toss-up. Um, both are freaking amazing. I'd love to have the original of either one. Hint, hint, Matt, hook it up. <laughs> um but uh, to me, panel five to me represents a transformation. You know, on the left, we do have um, a being, and um, he is hooded up with the three bars on his head. Now, the beam of light transmitting from the, free, from the three bars is also connecting to the hovering machines, you know. I don't know, possibly control them through his stalks. You know, maybe connected to them remotely somehow. Like I think, was were you saying that, Bonnie? Uh, a remote connection. Yes. Something like that. Yep. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe some form of implant or side effect from some crazy event or experimentation. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, like I said, what is you know what is cool if you were lucky enough to catch one of the fir- the first round of the vessels tour, they actually had a a, a bearded cloaked man with the three bars on his head come out and kind of, you know, hype you up for the show. I remember so, that. He stood there yeah. and then put the hood down mm-hmm. and then walked off. Yep, yep. And he had the three bars on his head. He did. So possibly did some form of mind control on us. So, but uh, Holly, what do you think about this last panel? Um, Mind blown still. I, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at this and looking at the, the, the shape of these uh, ships and it's actually bringing me back to the the second definition or the first you know big panel um, I had said earlier you have that ship in the forefront and then the other uh, ships or satellites or what have you that were in the background taking a closer look they actually look like to be the same type of ship so it, this leads me to believe that this is more the ships in this last panel are a little bit more the sinister, darker, maybe enemy type of deal, mm-hmm. and that the the gentleman on the the left is trying to I don't know if we want to lose the frequency, pun intended, uh, or to maybe uh, throw uh, them uh, uh. off, haha, or to maybe throw them off. Um, to maybe give the the heroes enough time to escape or to do what they need to do. Uh, I definitely see these ships as not friends. Um, But the the three bars on the the guy's forehead is just amazing. I didn't even notice that until Bonnie had said something about it. 
this one is probably the toughest one for me to to try to decipher. Um, I don't know. I I got nothing else. My mind is still blown. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's all I have for that one. Well, I like and, it. Uh, very cool pieces of art, man. I want them all just like hanging here on my wall and shit. <laughs> Um, oh, bigger than the art prints. I want them originals, man. <laughs> right. We we need to we need to get to emailing with Mister Mister Tizzle here. <laughs> yeah. So, but and that will bring us to Jamie with space and science news. All right. As we become more reliant on technology, specifically electronics, transistors, which are a vital part of these devices, have become a very crucial subject for scientific research. A transistor is a semiconductor device used to amplify or switch electronic signals and electrical power. Transistors are usually silicon-based, but that is where the current issues lie, as silicon, excuse me, silicon has substantial limitations. They are limited in the amount of current they can carry, and they don't fare well in extreme conditions, such as car, in a car engine or in the cosmic radiation of space. Some researchers are now testing a different material to overcome some of these challenges. The material is manufactured diamond. The diamond-based transistors being tested are stronger and able to deal with greater electrical loads than the current silicon-based ones. A more durable material means that it can also withstand the harsher environments as well. This is exciting news as it will help us on our journey to Mars. I urge you to go to fizz.org forward slash news and read the full article. So that will bring us to what we would like to see in a deluxe version of Vessels. So, what would I put on a Vessels Deluxe Edition? Good question. Alright, first off, there would be a physical pressing, alright? It just needs to happen. Second off, it would be three discs, okay? Third, it would be in a badass trifold digipack case, okay? Um, disc one, which would be the standard album, you know, disc two would have remixes, outtakes, and acoustic tracks, and so if there wasn't any tracks that didn't make vessels, kind of like, uh, Supernova, you know, we could stick that one on there. Yeah, that, uh, yeah any kind of tracks oh, that, that didn't make the album. Blew me yeah. away. <laughs> absolutely blew me away. <laughs> so, um, it would have, uh, you know... They would definitely be on there. Uh, songs I would like to see remixed are uh, Frequency, Into the Unknown, Back to the Earth, Unbecoming, Telepathic. Uh, I really do think those have some good potential for remixes. Remixers, I would suggest. Razor and Tie, Hint, Hint. Uh, Charlie Clauser, Clayton from Scandroid or Cell Dweller. Um, who else does good remixes? Uh, Alessandro Cortini. These are people you need to look into. Great remixers. Uh, but anyways. Um, sorry, I lost my spot. Okay, yeah. And especially Into the Unknown with all the space and keyboard sounding at the beginning. Acoustic tracks, I would choose Satellite, Die For You, Ricochet, and Unbecoming. Yes, remix and acoustic for Unbecoming. And Monster. I did see them play Satellite acoustically, so I know that one can be done. Hang on, I got a cat acting a fool behind me. Get the hell out of here. 
<laughs> okay. Edit that. Okay. So I know that one. Okay. So I did see them play satellite acoustically, so I know that one can be done. Unbecoming would be cool because I think it would work like the point of no return acoustic version and just totally change the feel of the song. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so if you haven't heard the point of no return acoustic version, get the deluxe edition of transmissions. It is, it's worth it just for that one acoustic track. Do um, it. Yes. Do it. No. So it's only available digitally. So go to iTunes and download it, but you also get uh, the videos for halo, uh, my demons and, um, carnivore. So, but anyways, um, those those two discs would be the audio portions of Vessels. Now, the video portion, disc three, would be a Blu-ray or DVD with every music video to date and an archive of their YouTube videos to correlate with the narrative and possibly live performances of a few tracks, if not a whole demonstration. Maybe a 30-minute behind-the-scenes with star set, possibly a few videos made by fans like Bonnie's. Yay! Uh, so, um... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Razor and tie star set make this happen. Either way, a Blu-ray needs to happen. I, we need a star set video release. So that's that would be my deluxe version of Vessels. What do you What do you think, Amber? What would Speaking be yours? Video release, as long as we're dreaming here, uh, I would love to see. I would love to see a narrative. I would love to see the actual movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> as long as we're keeping big. Uh, you know, I, the, the music videos are great. Um, I think maybe a, a compilation of all the musical videos so far would be good on a separate disc. Uh, I'm a sucker for acoustics. Uh, you pretty much have covered everything, Josh. <laughs> but, yeah, right. Uh, Leave some for us. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, and I, you know, the other, you know, I, I'm going to bring up Downplay. They did a, you know, because that was one other band that Dustin had sang in, uh, was his band. Um, but they did a stripped album, which is all acoustic. Now, I don't know that mm -hmm. it's necessarily possible, but I would like to see if it's 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 achievable. Um, just because I like, I'm a sucker for acoustics. Um, I love the cut-down versions of the songs. The only thing I don't care for is remixes, so I kind of appreciate nobody said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because, I, like I said, I, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan. Uh, I usually. love them. It really depends upon the remix for me. I mean, I guess I guess maybe you could throw a couple of different remixes in there. I, but I'm not a big remix fan. I know that I know a few people that are. And they would I appreciate saying that. Yeah. So I'm going to throw that out there. If I it's like the right remixer, if it's yeah. the right person working on it, you can do really good remixes. I mean, some of them, they just throw out junk. And it's like they had this music before. And now, oh, hey, you want me to do a, a remix here? Let me just take their vocal track and put it over here. And it doesn't match worth the shit or the feel yeah, of the song. So I can feel <laughs> what you're saying on there. But like, there are some remixers who, can, who will actually deconstruct right. the entire song and rebuild it. And make it exactly. feel like like an original track, you know. And that's that's exactly. how you can tell a good remixer. So, yeah, that well, and I think the same same actually goes for people that uh, that do graphic design and stuff. If they they take the the simple elements and rebuild it and make something, you know, you know that's recognizable but completely new. I think that that's a little more precious to me than someone that takes two or three stock photos and sticks them together. So, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, so. Definitely, maybe a couple of remixes, uh, acoustics. I would love to hear 
how strangely not that it's very far afield anyway um everglow would be a nice acoustic everglow would be cool i do i do enjoy um i would like to see what they do with into the unknown to be honest if they could you know if they want to challenge because i love that song and i think it could be really interestingly done as an acoustic yeah I think it'd be a very interesting switch, and I would love to see what that switch in is in meaning, hearing it that way. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I do like the idea of putting the fan videos in there, some of them, um, and that kind of thing. I, you know, the one thing that I would really like to see, actually, uh, since they're doing the graphic novels, if they were ever to re-release, uh, would be maybe some of the storyboards that they used. Yeah. Uh, did. Uh, you know, that you could stick on your computer and look digitally uh, slideshow style and see some of the different storyboards for the upcoming graphic novel. Not give away too much if it was to be released before, but just enough to kind of get you really excited about it. Now, you know, that probably won't be, taste. won't be, probably wouldn't be probable or possible, but I think that would be really cool. Um, and maybe even give us a better feel of the narrative. I think that might spawn some really good fan art <laughs> or some more stories and stuff and things like that, more fan theories which I enjoy reading usually. So, but yeah, so that's my loose idea. Okay. Now, Bonnie, what did you think? What, what well, would you like to see on a deluxe album? Uh, acoustics, obviously, because everybody loves the acoustics. <laughs> um, I would also like uh, some live audio from the demonstrations. Yes. Because like when I go to, to a demonstration or I, another, another concert or whatever, and I find out they're recording live for an album, it just, when I see that album, like maybe a month or two down the road, I'm like, hey, I was there, you know, and it, I, I was there part of that. I experienced that. So I think some live audio from the demonstrations would be really cool. I like that idea. And um, I, I kind of agree with Josh. I think they should do like a, a maybe a 30 minute video type thing, some behind the scenes of the the band members and also i would i watched the 30 seconds to mars video earlier today and they they had of course concert clips and in between they caught fans waiting to get in and stuff and they were interviewing the fans like oh what does 30 seconds to mars mean to you and how has the music affected your life and changed your life and i think that that would be a really interesting thing to have somebody come out and interview the fans because every star set fan that i met so far with very few exceptions has a story to tell and they say well the music affected me this way and it changed my life that way and it's just star set has has it means so much to so many people and i think everybody wants to like explain a little bit of it and it'd be really interesting to see what people would say so something like that would be really nice i, I really like yeah, that. that would be really cool I, I would completely dig that i i think backstage and fan content and i think uh you know getting a little bit of that peak and and like not, not like every corner, but a lot of the different aspects because it's not just the music and the live shows. There's a lot of different elements to yep, it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, cool. Very cool. And my last idea is kind of far-fetched, but um, actually the idea came from something Josh has been doing for contests where maybe you have some sort of code that you you use clues from the liner notes or somewhere on the CDs and you have to decipher them and then go online and input the code and get a secret track to download or something right, like that. Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, well, if there's anybody listening that can help me out, the Black Queen actually has that. Uh, if you go to their website, theblackqueen.com, <laughs> there is a question mark it has three question marks you click on it and there it says password 
Alright, I have yet to, no one has cracked this yet, but apparently you will get an unreleased track and downloads, uh, demos for the entire album. And I have tried, I've guessed everything I can know related to the Black Queen, but I still have yet to crack it. So if anybody uh, wants a challenge, that's uh, <laughs> that's exactly what you're talking about, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, something so. like that. Something to make, no, something to make the fans though. think. You know? Yes, get yes, and I think that's what the Black Queen is actually trying to do too. Yeah, yeah, to get him buzzing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Jamie, what would be in your deluxe version? Well, like Josh already said, I'd really like a, a physical pressing, either preferably both vinyl and CD, but at least CD because yeah. it a physical pressing. Either vinyl or CD is so much better to listen to the music on than the availability of MP3s. Yeah, yeah. See, they need to re-release the transmissions, at least the extra content on vinyl. You know, like uh, transmissions bonus tracks or something, you know? The stuff that they, we didn't get that's on the deluxe edition that's, you know... Yeah. Like, put that shit out on vinyl even if it's just a single you know one single vinyl of just those extra tracks man i would totally go for it i want that those remixes on vinyl man so they definitely at least if it was just a single standalone vinyl without the main album dude i'd still pay for it yeah exactly you want to know something that was kind of interesting to me there were two different sources that uh we had come into contact with uh, prior to the release of Vessels that had hinted that there were actually 16 tracks, not 15, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now, it turns out there's 15 tracks, okay? But if you think about it, and with the graphic novels that are going to be released, with there's supposed to be four separate graphic novels mm-hmm. that we know of. And the way that 15 songs divide up isn't evenly. I wonder if there was, if there is another track floating around out there we don't know about. Now, if that yeah, supernova. Case, I love that track <laughs> that they, they kind of hinted but didn't hint at, my sources. So, you know, if, if it's such, just a, such a thing does exist, you know, dude, I'm all for it. Go ahead and stick it on there. Don't well, even put a exactly. title on it if you, you want. Know, you know, I, I'd even like a handful of the tracks because anytime anybody writes for an album, mm-hmm. they write in, usually write an insane right, and then they cut, that, they cut what's not going to fit. Cut and cut. Right. I'd, I'd like just a handful of the tracks that didn't make it. Yeah, exactly. That would be great, you know? And um, besides the acoustics we've already talking talked about, talking about. Talking about. <laughs> it's like we live by cornfields. How far south did you go for that? Oh, I just went out to high school. It's in the middle of the you know? It really actually is. But anyway, actually, there's three schools out there. No wonder we're kind of insulated here. Anyhow, continue. But um, I'd like to see an acoustic track of Starlight. Definitely. Like we talked about, but definitely Starlight. So. So, Holly, tell us what you want, would like to see on a deluxe version of Vessels. Oh, oh for a deluxe version of Vessels, I would love to see... You know, something similar to what they did with transmissions, uh, acoustic versions of some of the songs. I wasn't too keen on the the remixes. I, I think they can do without that. Um, but I would definitely like to see maybe what is it with everybody in remixes. I I didn't like them. Like 
I don't know. Dude, I love remixes. <laughs> maybe, maybe if they were done by differently, I don't know. I just I wasn't feeling it, but um, it definitely you know the acoustic versions would be great. I'd love to to see a studio version of Ricochet uh, acoustic. I think would just blow my mind. Um, but I think I would also like to see maybe one or two B sides that maybe didn't make the original cut for Vessels. Um, maybe they didn't fit with the storyline of the album or just didn't have the right kind of sound that they that they wanted. Um, throw like Supernova. Like, ha-ha. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you Rick Roller. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I would definitely like to see some, some, even maybe an alternate version of one of the songs if if any such thing exists. I think it would be great yeah. and maybe alternate artwork like we had seen some other fan mock-ups of online. There we go. Make it happen, Razor and Tie. Make it happen. Make <laughs> it so. Make it so. Yes. <laughs> you have your mission, now go forth. So, Holly, you also looked, had a movie for us, right? I do. I do. I have a movie that I think a lot of people will enjoy. It's definitely one of those make you think like could society ever actually turn into this um the movie is called snowpiercer it uh it came out in 2013 it wasn't a huge huge deal at the box office there wasn't a lot of promotions and whatnot for it even though it starred captain america himself chris evans uh it definitely was not a big catch at the box office um from imdb the kind of general plot of it is Essentially, the world has fallen into a second ice age. Uh, some attempts at climate change and an attempt to reverse or stop global warming went completely wrong and instead sent everybody into an ice age. Those that were able to escape it and survive it ended up on this train that is traveling around the globe consistently and just continuously nobody ever leaves this train this train never stops it's become its own self-sufficient you know society that in turn has turned into classes so you have the front of the train which is where all of the upper echelon and the the leader and the creator of this train uh his name was it is slipping my mind right now uh wilford he is the gentleman who created the, the train and basically saved what's left of society. So you have the front of the train where all the rich people are that get all of the amenities, all of the commodities, the luxuries. And then as you go towards the back of the train is where, you know, the, the third class and, and one of their, their meals consist of protein bars and they're used basically for slavery throughout the rest of the train. And Chris Evans, his character, happens to be one of those in the back of the train. Um, there's also uh, Tilda Swinton is also in it, as well as Octavia Spencer and a few other more unknown actors. Um, but through the, the, the beginnings of the movie, Chris Evans' character has kind of turned into this, we don't need to put up with this crap anymore, and basically stages a revolt. So each section of the train is locked off and has, you know, super secure doors that nobody can ever get through. Uh, they devise a plan, they get through, they work their way up through the train, and while doing so, they see things that they've never seen before. Like, they see sunlight for the first time, and I think it's like 17 years that they've been on this train. 
uh, they see, you know, oases inside this train where they're, you know, growing food and they're able to, uh, you know, use water and just all of these luxuries they've never had. Finally, they get up to the front of the train and attempt to meet this Wilford, the creator and their God, basically their, you know, ruler of society. And there's an entire section of the movie where they're communicating with Wilford and kind of, he describes how he was able to manipulate society into getting onto this train and living out the rest of their life and carrying on the society on this train that never stops in an ice age. And it's definitely something that makes you think, you know, maybe not necessarily to that extent of falling into another ice age and having to resort to something like that to survive. But the fact that we let upper societies and, and, and upper people kind of tell us what we are and aren't able to do or going to do and that we have to do what they do in order to survive. And it just becomes almost like a brainwashing to where it's like, okay, well, we're going to let you guys do what you do. We'll just deal with the rest of it. Um, and it, it's, it's definitely something that, like I said, can happen Hopefully doesn't happen, but the way things have been going lately and to kind of bring it back into the, the star set universe with like monster, you know, you just let these people take over your life through these headsets and through this distorted virtual reality that we never question. We just go with it. It's the same kind of concept. Like we just go with it that we're stuck in the back of the train. We're never going to make our way to the front, um, which isn't true. You can you're not stuck where you begin. There's always, you can work your way up. So I don't know. I think it's a really great movie. A lot of people didn't like it. They thought it was very slow. You know, there wasn't a lot of the whole whiz bang kind of action that people expect, but it's definitely one. If you actually sit down and do watch it, it's a thinker. And I, I really loved it for that. I'll have to check it out. So I guess, uh, Bonnie, you want to go ahead and take us out? Certainly. Well, that wraps up our show for today. Thank you so much once again for joining us. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook, Starset Messengers against the FEC. Our Twitter at Starset Messengers. That is all one, uh, sorry, there's all one word, no E's in messengers. And our Instagram, Starset Messengers. I am Bonnie. This is Amber. I am Josh. I'm Holly. And I'm Jamie. Remember, messengers, each one of us is a unique work of art, painted with many colors and many dreams. Reach for those stars. End proxcast number 0025. This concludes our transmission. Over and out. <laughs>